Chapter 12 of Pee Wee Harris on the Trail. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Winterburn. Pee Wee Harris on the Trail by Percy Keese Fitzhugh. Chapter 12 Enter the Genuine Article. At another time, Pee-wee would have delighted to linger in this scout's utopia. But his chief thought now was to take advantage of his fortunate escape. He had not the faintest idea where he was, more than that he was a full two hours' ride from home. That would be a long and lonely hike, even if he could find his way in the darkness. He tried to recall the names of the various lakes in New Jersey and in the neighboring state of New York, and he recalled a good many but that did not help him to identify this one. So he started up toward the town in the hope of identifying that. The village petered out toward the lake. There were but a few houses. It was about eleven or twelve o'clock or after, and the good people in the straggling cottages thereabout had put out their lights and retired to slumber before that wicked hour. There was a stillness and gloom about these uninviting dark houses a cheerlessness not to be found in the densest woods. They made Pee-wee feel lost and lonesome, as the dim, silent wilderness could never do. Soon he reached the town, and there in the center of a spacious lawn was something which, in his loneliness and uncertainty, seemed the picture of gloom. The ruin of a building which had been burned to the ground. What a fire that must have been to witness! better far than the bandit of harrowing highway. Over a partly fallen arch, under which many reluctant feet had passed, Pee-wee could just make out the graven words, West Ketchum Public School. West Ketchum. So that was where he was. But he had never heard of West Ketchum. The fame of this lakeside metropolis had not penetrated to surging Bridgeboro. At least, it had not penetrated to the surging mind of Scout Harris. He tried to recall West Ketchum on the map of New Jersey in his school geography. But evidently West Ketchum had scorned the geography. Or else the geography had scorned West Ketchum. Undecided what to do, Pee-wee lingered a few moments among the mass of charred timbers and desks ruined and laid low, and broken blackboards all in an indiscriminate heap. I bet the fellers that live here are glad, he said to himself. That isn't saying they have to believe in fires, except campfires. But anyway, after it's all over, they've got a right to be glad. The situation of the school seemed to have been a sort of compromise between the claims of the lake and the claims of the town. It was not too far from the town and not too far from the lake. Perhaps it had been built within sight of the lake so that the West Ketchum student body could see it while at their lessons. A kind of slow torture. Pee-wee had never before seen the familiar realities of school life thus brought low and lying in inglorious disorder at his feet. It gave him a feeling of triumph and had a fascination for him. Damp-smelling books were here and there among the ruins, histories, arithmetics, algebras, and grammars. He could tread upon these with his valiant heel. A huge roll-call book, ah, how well he knew it even in the darkness, lay charred and soggy near the assembly-room piano. 
junk heaps had always had a fascination for pee-wee and had yielded up some of his rarest treasures but a school with all its disciplinary claptrap reduced to a junk heap he could not even in this late hour and strange country tear himself away from it but another influence caused him to hesitate what should he do there were hardly any lights in the town now he was a scout, and he could not reconcile himself to the commonplace device of going to someone's house and asking for shelter. His scout training had taught him self-reliance and resource, and here was the chance to apply them, to go home, to find his way without anyone's help. The lonely road called to him more than the dark houses did. But how about the car? Mr. Bartlett's stolen car? Would it be the way of a scout to go home and tell about that? He had come in the car, Providence had made him its guardian, and he would take it back again and say, or words to this effect, Here is your Super 6 hunk-a-junk car, Mr. Bartlett. They tried to steal it, but I foiled them. I was disguised as a buffalo robe. There was only one difficulty in the way of this heroic course, and that was that he could not run the car. Never again would he touch one of those frightful nickel things on the instrument board. So, wishing to handle this harrowing situation alone, with true scout prowess and resource, he kicked around among the ruins of that tyrannous and fallen empire, and tried to devise some plan. Suddenly he heard a sound near him. He paused in the darkness, his scout heel upon a poor defenseless crumpled spelling book, Thus he stood in mingled triumph and agitation, his heart beating fast, every nerve on edge. Who, who's there? he said. He moved again and was startled as his foot slipped off the charred timber on which he was walking. The brisk autumn wind was playing havoc among the debris, blowing damp pages over faster than anyone could turn them. It played among a burned chest of old examination papers, scattering them like dried leaves. Correct or incorrect, they were all the same now. Pee-wee liked this roving, unruly wind having its own way in that dominion of restriction. He liked its gay disregard of all this solemn claptrap. But now he heard clearly the sound of footsteps among the ruins, footsteps picking their way as it seemed to him, through the uncertain support of all that various disorder groping careful footfalls who's there he asked and the only answer was a gust of wind could it be those thieves in search of him or might it be the ghost of some principal or teacher lingering still among these remnants and reminders of authority step 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 then from around the corner of a charred upended platform appeared a face a face with a cap drawn low over it, and presently a dark form emerged. Who, who are, you, Pee-wee stammered. I'm a teacher, as was here, the stranger said. You needn't be scared of me, kiddo. I was just kind of looking around, Pee-wee explained apologetically. Here's a pencil for you, the stranger said. I just picked it up. Pee-wee accepted this as a flag of truce, and felt somewhat reassured. A man who would give him a pencil surely meant no harm. He had as much right to be there as Pee-wee had. 
If you were a teacher here, I shouldn't think you'd say as was, Pee-wee ventured. But gee whiz, he added, I don't care how you say it. No teacher had ever before called him kiddo, and he rather liked it. Maybe you taught manual training, hey? Pee-wee said, because they're kind of different. That's where you hit it, said the stranger. Manual training? Right the first time, and I'm just sort of collecting some of my junk. That's one thing about me. I'm good at guessing, Pee-wee said. I kinder knew you were that, manual training. That's my favorite study because it isn't a study at all. I made a birdhouse I did in manual training, a dandy big one. Birdhouses is a good thing to make, said the manual training teacher. Pee-wee could not see his new acquaintance very well or the bundle which he carried. If the teacher had been after his junk, he seemed to have been fortunate in finding it, for he had collected a considerable amount of booty. Indeed, he had but a minute before succeeded in disinterring the safe which had been in the principal's office, but here he had met with disappointment. He had, however, hit upon a microscope of some value from the equipment of the student laboratory, and he had found a lady's handbag which he seemed to think worth keeping. What are you doing here? he asked of Pee-wee. End of chapter 12 Recording by Stephen Winterburn